We are in Revelation chapter 21, and once again, we're not getting through the whole passage I had planned, which is the same passage I planned to get through last week. We're going to get through verses uh, through verse 6, though, so that's pretty good. So imagine you are out just taking a walk. You're in town. You're taking a walk down the block, and you're, you know, by some people's house you don't know. And there's a little child out on the sidewalk crying. You know, maybe a two-year-old crying on the sidewalk. Maybe he's got a skinned knee, something like that. You don't see anyone else around, and you feel compassion for this little child, right? So you pick up the little child to comfort, say it's a boy, him. You pick him up to comfort him. What does he do? He screams bloody murder because he doesn't know you right? Your intentions are really good, but he doesn't know you. You do not have the right <laughs> to pick him up. And his dad comes out and punches you in the nose because he didn't hear him crying before, but after you picked him up, he heard that and he sees somebody holding his crying child who's trying to get away. And dad does not take kindly to that. And so you're in trouble. Okay. Today we look at this passage, God wipes away our tears. And if we're not careful, we read that and we think it's saying that the focus is on our tears being washed away. And that's a good thing, but the focus is on God washing away our tears. And it is a hugely bigger picture than what we can easily brush aside if we're not careful. There's an awful lot implied about our future relationship with God. By the way, what our current relationship ought to be, but we just fall short of that. There's an awful lot about our future relationship with God when he comes to dwell among us uh, and wipes away our tears. So today we're going to, going to explore a little bit what this relationship will be, and we're going to look at two phrases, God will dwell with man and he will wipe away our tears. So real quickly, Revelation 21, I'm going to read verses 2 through 6. <clears throat> and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down, from, uh, down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, but the, for the former things have passed away. Uh, and he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all... Th I didn't need to go that far. Uh, that, that's as far as I'm, I'm ready to go. It's just through verse 4. I lied. Uh, you know, this is just... Uh, uh, there's, there's too much in here for me. First thing I want to say is God will dwell with us. We have this new Jerusalem. And, and I, I don't want to dwell too much on the new Jerusalem because when we get to verse 9 of this chapter, the rest of the chapter is talking about new Jerusalem. Right? So this, is, this, this mention of it here is not to describe it, but to introduce it. And it's introducing Jerusalem the way you introduce a bride at a wedding service. Right? It's not that nobody knows the bride. People know who the bride is, but she's introduced in the service in a special way. Uh, and and, and we're, we, what we find here is John is in these verses, he is describing feelings. These are emotional words, which, which part of me said, I don't like to even say that because I'm not an emotional guy. But, but you can't escape it here. Uh, we, we find, we find he, God wipes away tears. We find no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. This is emotion. These are emotional words. He's talking about emotions. And it is an emotional passage. It is designed to be emotion. And so we have the emotion of a bride appearing, right? So, so to get a walk, a, a grasp on what it's saying, let's walk through a wedding for a minute, right? So, so you're at a wedding, and it starts out, and up here, 
All right? Done this before. I know how it works. The pastor stands right here, and the groom stands right here, right? That, that's the way it works. That's the start of everything. So, so people are seated around the, the, the sanctuary, kind of like you are, and the groom and the pastor come up and stand. Nobody gasps. Nobody cries, right? Nobody talks about how beautiful he is, right? <laughs> if, if they do talk about how the groom looks, they say, wow, he looks good in that tux. And they're, I don't know if they're complimenting the groom or the tux, right? <laughs> or if they're saying he, doesn't, he normally doesn't look good, but now he does, right? <laughs> you, you have the whole gamut there. They may look at how he's dressed and say, oh, it's going to be a cowboy wedding, right? You ever been to a wedding where all of a sudden you realize it's a cowboy wedding? You didn't realize, but you know what I mean by a cowboy wedding is they're dressed like cowboys, and, which is, I've done a couple of those, and they're fun. I like it. It just adds personality and all that stuff. So, but that's what the groom does for you. He doesn't do a whole lot uh, for you there. Okay, uh, and, and then you move on and the brides, bridesmaids and the groomsmen come down, right? They do that slow little walk where they're trying to figure out exactly how am I supposed to take these steps, right? And somebody's going to know, but every, nobody else is going to there. And they're trying to do it the way they, and some of them look really, you know, in the army, the first thing you do is you learn to march and they tell you that, and everybody starts marching like this. <laughs> and they tell you, march the way you walk, the other hand, right? <laughs> and it's like, you, you, you don't know how to do the things you know how to do when all of a sudden you're supposed to do it under observation, right? And, and so everybody forgets how to walk and, and, it, and it feels, and, and, but nobody cries when the bridesmaids come out. They may look and say, oh, that's the colors, <laughs> right? They may look and say, oh, that's the outfit she settled on. For all the fuss and, and, and trouble and pain and agony that goes into the bridesmaids' outfits, nobody does that. It's, it's, it's just, oh, here they come. You know, the guys come up and they take their line and the ladies come up and take their line. And if there's any emotion about it, it's only because it's getting closer to the presentation of the bride, right? The groom's up there. You find out, by the way, who the star of the show is. Because he's up there and everybody yawns. They come up and everybody goes, it's getting closer. What's getting closer? Her coming out that door or, that, or there, you know, whichever way she's coming out. It's her. It's all about her. She's coming out. Expectation is rising. People start to feel emotion, but it's not about any of these people up here, except for the mother of the groom, who really does think he looks good, right? <laughs> uh, and so they do all these things. The organist or the pianist or the sound tech, right, starts the music. She doesn't show up. Okay, do it again. And it goes as many times as it takes until she finally shows, and then you have the. And then, by the way, proper wedding etiquette. If you're not aware of this, the mother of the bride stands and looks first. Right? Then everybody cues from her and stands up and looks. And I think the idea behind that is that you, know, you don't want that great big guy standing right there to stand in front of her so she can't see her own daughter. Right? So you, see, it's easy not being a big guy to, to not have that problem. But you know, so she gets to stand and look first, and then everybody takes their cue from her, and they stand and look, and now it's tissue time right? The, the hankies come out, you know, wipe the eyes, everybody starts, you know, starts feeling it, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, the father of the bride is doing his best to hold it together as he walks down that aisle with the bride. Uh, as a father who has walked down the aisle with his daughter, you do your best 
and, and it's not good enough. <laughs> you, you, I, maybe some guy, I, 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 my, this lip, this lower lip was doing this, right? And I'm trying to stop it, so I'm doing this. Because <laughs> I, was, I was losing it, right? The bri- it's all about the bride. Giving away sons, them getting married, that's easy. It's not a problem. But the bride is tough. Ladies are gasping. They're talking about how beautiful she is. All that comes out with the bride. These are the emotions of the brides. Speaking of tears, just to, this is a, an aside. I did a wedding once where the groom cried this one tear. I almost said this one itty-bitty tear, but it was a monster. <laughs> and he's standing, standing like this, and, and there was this glacier hanging off the end of his nose. At first... <laughs> I thought it wasn't a tear. <laughs> and, and it was a monster just dangling there. And, and he didn't know what to do. So he just stood there. I don't know who else noticed it. I wanted so bad to reach up and smack that thing off. I wanted the bride, I wanted somebody to do something about it. And it just, it wouldn't drop. You know, it just stayed there. Never had a bride do that. Only the, but it's all about the bride. Because she's the one. She's the one you get emotional about. She's the one you cry about. This is the emotion of the new Jerusalem appearing. This is what he's saying. When, we, when the new Jerusalem appears, this is the response we're going to have. We know it's coming. We read the book. We see we re, you know, we're here today. We hear it's coming. We know it's coming. It's going to be something awesome. But when it comes, wow. We are going to experience something that, that is just, uh, we, we, we've been waiting, waiting for, we think we're ready for, but when it happens, it hits us. That's what he's saying when he says, Then I saw the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. All the emotions of the bride, all the emotions of this. And God will dwell with man. Right? Uh, let's see. Coming down, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Right? God will dwell with man. This is a loud, pro- excuse me, a loud proclamation coming from heaven, right? What is this proclamation? It is, it is the equivalent of, I now pronounce you man and wife. Right? What God has joined us together, let no man split asunder. I now pronounce you man and wife. It's the equivalent. God will now dwell with man. Right? That's what the wedding does, is it legitimizes the, the couple. It makes them right to live together. God is now right to live with his people, or his people are now right to live with God, is a better way to put it. But he comes to dwell with, the, with men. Men don't go to dwell with him. God go, comes to dwell with us. We talked last week about the new heaven and the new earth. And, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And we're back once again, like last week. We're back to the Garden of Eden. It's funny how the end of the book pulls us back, it yanks us back to the beginning of the book. And we find that what we have at the end is what should have been at the beginning. What it was intended to be, what it was supposed to be, is what it will be. Only what it's actually going to will be is better than what was. Because they still were human, right? i got to say that. They still were mere mortals. We will always be human, but we won't always be mortal, right? What an awesome thing to think about, uh, because we won't die again. But we're back to creation. We're back to the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve used to walk in the garden with God himself. 
It's funny, it never actually tells us that God walked in the garden with them until it tells, says he came to walk in the garden. I think it says something like, as was his habit, or at least that's the impression you get, uh, when they were guilty and they hid from him. But normally they wouldn't hide, they would just walk from him. They were innocent, they were guiltless, they had no problem with it, and this time it will not be interrupted by sin. This time it will not be interrupted by man's failure, man's uh, unwillingness to submit or have a right relationship with him. It will be the way it's supposed to be, and it will be forever. And, and I am completely confident that we underappreciate this relationship. You know, when, when we talk about relationships, relationship for a lot of people is the magic word. It's the word that makes everything do, and it's one of those touchy-feely words that, 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 that for some of us, Kind of, you just you hear people talking about, oh, it's all about the relationship. And you go, I don't know about all that relationship stuff. But on the other hand, I'm going to rephrase it just a little bit. It's being the way it is to be with people you like. See, if you're like me and, 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 and there's certain buzzwords that kind of put a barrier to you, and relationship's one of them, because I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not good on therapeutic words. <laughs> I'm not good on therapy words. I, I like, you know, blunt words, I guess. Uh, the relationship with God is liking to be with God, right? I want to put it that way. I want to put it the way of the way it is with a friend. You have, how many, I mean, I, I want to make this a question to ask you to answer, but we, many of us have had jobs that we hated. And it wasn't actually the work that we hated. It was the people we had to work with, the environment that we worked in. The, 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 the bad relationships that were there made the job difficult. And then we may have the same job or even a harder job somewhere else that we liked more because of the people who were there, because of the good relationships that were there. Okay, take all the good relationships you have. Take your, 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 your best times of your marriage. Take the best times you've had with your best friends, and I think we're beginning to get a hint of the relationship we will have with God. See, because frankly, I think right now we're a little bit afraid of the thought of a relationship with God. It's kind of like the person who says, I don't want to be a Christian because I still want to have fun, right? We are Christians. We say, well, I still don't want to have that greater relationship with God because I still want to have fun. As if when we're with, having a closer relationship with God, we will have a less enjoyable life. You know, that is, that is uh, it sounds foolish when you put it into words, but is it not the way you find yourself thinking sometimes? Like, oh no, I don't think it will be fun, right? Fun is not our ultimate goal in life, but, but you understand what I'm saying. It's like, I don't want that. It's too much for me. And the reality is, no, it's not. We underappreciate it. We don't know what it means. We are, you know, we are thousands of years and hundreds of generations separated from Adam and Eve, right? There is no way we can know what it meant for them to walk in the garden with God. And there is no way we can know what they lost when that was taken away from them. But we know loss. We know what it is to have relationships severed from us, sometimes suddenly. We know how hard that is. We know how difficult it can be. That's what Adam and Eve lost when they were in the garden and God kicked them out. They, they had a separation like that only with God. And we have never been part of that fully restored relationship with God. Even receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior, even in prayer, even in the kind of fellowship we have that sometimes is very rewarding, it's only a hint of what we will have when He is our God and He dwells among us. 
right? I think we take the best of our relationships we have here, and it's just a taste of what we will have in eternity with God. And then we move on still with these emotional words, or maybe the most emotional words. He will wipe... God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have washed, wiped away. Separate, have passed away. Separate in your thinking for a minute uh, the wiping away of tears from the no more death, no more crying, no more pain, no more mourning. Because... One is the act of wiping away the tears, and the other is the cause of the tears. And they're two different things. And we tend to put them, lump them all together and think of them as one thing. Don't think of them as, as one thing. Think of them as two separate things. Uh, the no more removal, I'm sorry, the no more, the no more the, the, of those, removal of the cause for the tears, uh, the wiping away the tears is the gentle, compassionate act of someone who has the right, wiping away those tears. Because he will wipe away their tears. Who wipes away your tears? You say, I don't cry. <laughs> okay, when you were little and you had an owie, right? Who wiped away your tears? Have you ever had the child run right by you to go to mommy? <laughs> you go, wait a minute, what's wrong with me? I can fix owies. <laughs> no. You're not the right one. Mom is the right one. Sorry. She's the one that, that fixes those owies. Mom is the first choice. Dad is the second. Nana and Papa can do in a pinch, right? Uh, but the kid down the block, he has no owie helping power, right? The dad down the block, he has no owie helping power. They don't have the ability to hurt, fix that owie because they're, they're nobody. Only somebody who cares can help. Only somebody who's proven he cares. Only somebody who's earned the right has, has the right to help you, that little child, with the owie. And he will cry and cry and cry until that right person pops up or shows up. You get a little older, you have a broken heart. Who do you take that to? You don't take that to just anybody, right? You don't go to just anybody down the block and say, I have a broken heart. Because <laughs> they're going to look and say, yeah, it happens. <laughs> At least if they're a guy. Uh, you, you, don't take it to, you take it to someone who cares and who understands and who you know understands uh, and you trust. You don't take it to just anybody. And, and I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, the girl's got to run to the, the girl's got to run to her girlfriends because that's what she does with her broken heart, I think. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I think that's what she does. The guy, I, he, I'm not sure what he does. Uh, he just cries alone. <laughs> but you don't go to just anybody, right? You go to the right people. You don't trust your broken heart to just anybody. All the criteria we have for wiping away tears, God meets. He's the one that nobody else can do. He, he, he cares, he understands, and he trusts us. We trust him. And, and, and when I say this, I'm not saying we trust him now. Because now in real life, admit it. Sometimes you're afraid to go to God with these things. You are afraid, what, that God doesn't care enough? That God doesn't love you enough? That God won't do something about it? And you won't actually go to God with those hurts now. Now, now, that is a fault that we have. It is a weakness we have. We need to learn to go to God with everything. But in that day, in that day, we won't suffer that weakness. And we will go to him. And, and no, no one will pull away. 
Have you ever had this? A child crying, and you're holding the child, and the child stops crying, and stop, pulls back and looks at you, and realizes you're not the right one? <laughs> okay, if you're a dad, you've probably had that experience. Because <laughs> you did in a pinch till the worst of the pain was gone, then wait a minute, you're not mom! <laughs> right? And, and, and uh, the right one comes. Nobody will pull away from God. Nobody will pull away from this close relationship with God when he wipes away those tears. And when, when he does that, we won't reject his wiping away of our tears. We won't say he's not the one we need. He is the one we need. And then a follow-up question. So that's who wipes away our tears. Let me ask you this follow-up question. How do they wipe those tears away? Grab a dirty rag and start, you know, smearing away at your face with a greasy rag? Uh, roughly? No, that's not the way you wipe away tears. Tenderly, you tenderly wipe away tears. You compassionately wipe away tears. You gently wipe, wipe away tears. Guys are not necessarily good with this. We, we had a conversation the other night, me and some guys, about uh, showing compassion. And, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give it away. I'll tell on Mike. Where's Mike? Mike? Yeah. He says, stop crying. Here, have some water. You're dehydrating. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, that's a good answer, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, my answer was, be tough. Cut it out. Life's hard. Get used to it. Suck it up, you crybaby. <laughs> be tough. And then we wonder why they run to mom. <laughs> the God of the universe is tenderly and compassionately and lovingly wiping away our tears. Don't miss that. This is not about the tears being wiped away. It's about the one who is wiping away the tears and our relationship with him. Right? The tears will be wiped away, and then he moves the cause for the tears. He moves to the cause for the tears, starting with death. Death is the great common enemy of man. Right? Death is a thing that even when you welcome it, it's, it's tough, right? We, many of us have had the situation where a loved one has passed after a long struggle, and we say, at least he's at peace now. Now he's safe with God. Now he's done suffering, right? The most, many of us, not all of us, many of us have had those words come out of our mouths. Even then, it's not, it's not fun. It's, we, we, you know, I love a joyful celebration of, of I, I hope, you know, first, I, hope, I hope two emotions happen when I die. First, I hope you all cry, <laughs> and then I hope you all laugh. Not at my death, <laughs> but as you remember, you know, I hope that as you remember my life, there will be joy, right? I want that, but I hope you cry too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's because it says we care. Death is the great enemy, and even when you welcome it, it brings grief with it. It's, it comes in its tails. And the greatest thing in life, all the greatest things in life that we have, every, death separates all of them. Marriage is designed to be that one lasting relationship that nothing can interfere, but even marriage till death do us part, right? Death is that breaker of every bond in this world. Death is that powerful, horrible enemy, and death will be no more. And we say death is defeated now, 
right? Up from the grave he arose, da 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 Jumping ahead to Easter, way ahead. And death, death is defeated. Death, he rose from the dead. Death is defeated. It's one of the greatest, most joyful victories we have, right? And yet, it still happens. Billy Graham's words, right? You, you, you've probably heard them. If not, you're, you're gonna, even if you have, you're going to hear them now. He said, uh, you know, he, he wrote it when he was alive about his death. He says, someday, or he said it, someday someone will say Billy Graham has, de- is de- has died. Don't you believe it? <laughs> he says, because I will be more alive at that moment than I ever was before. And that's absolutely true. That, I have 100% confidence that is absolutely true. But he's still gone and he still died. He's not here, right? We say death is defeated, but while death is defeated, we don't see that yet. We, we, we take that by faith. We hang on to it. It is true. But on that day, death will not merely be defeated. It will be removed. It will be taken away. It will not be around. It will never threaten us again. It will never separate us again. It will never affect us again. So the first thing he removes, dealing with this cause for tears, after wiping our tears, is, is death. We have not, we, we have, our greatest reason for, for crying has just been taken away. And he says mourning. And I don't know how that's going to work. I mean, it's like mourning. There's nothing more I will have to be sad about. Well, that's, that's good. But, you know, there's that point where what is what we mourn most? We've just been talking about death. And, and. I have had the experience of having people I loved who did not know the Lord die. How do you take that away? They won't be there. How is God going to take that away? I don't know how that's going to work. How can we not mourn that? Because we will know, I think, understand so many things so much better then than we do now. And I think maybe part of the answer is that the time for being able to do something about that will be passed, so God will take away the... the the grief with it as well. Uh, I, I think part of it is that the time for mourning is now while we can still do something about it, but, but there will be no more mourning, and, and I just want to hang on to that. And then he gets to crying. There will be no more, more tears. Secret for kids, we chased all the kids away, but, uh, you know, is grown-ups rarely cry from physical pain. I'm going to say we never do, Right? I, you, many of you have seen that video of me eating the hot jalapeno where tears are just rolling down my face. <laughs> or the with chicken wings, that's what it was, chicken wings. And tears are just rolling down my face, and, and you guys laughed. <laughs> okay, that was, that was tears of pain. <laughs> but, it, but if you remember the video, I was laughing at the same time. I wasn't crying because, I mean, we, adults rarely cry because of physical pain. But emotional pain can rip sobs out of us, no matter how much we try to hold them back. It can, it can yank them out of us. It can leave us miserable wrecks. And we will not ever do that again. We don't have to. It's not like we're going to be able to suck it up, buttercup. You know, It's not that we're going to be able to hold back the tears. It's that there will be no reason to cry. There will be no more tears. And finally, he sums it all up. He says, no more pain. No more pain. Think about, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to, this is a positive message. I don't want to turn it negative, but by saying too much of think about the times you've hurt the most. 
right? But we all have had, every, every single one of us has had something that hurt us the most, right? Whatever that was. And for some people, it may be something relatively trivial. By relatively, I mean compared to what someone else might be going through or have gone through, right? Uh, that pain will be gone. The worst pain we've ever felt, it will be gone. It won't be there anymore. It will be gone. You know, America is in the midst of an opioid uh, epidemic today because people do so much to avoid pain. We want so badly to avoid pain that we just, you know, we've, we've drugged ourselves into disaster to avoid pain, and we end up causing pain. Uh, I, I think pain is one of the things that in this life we cannot escape. I think every, Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. He didn't say pain, but I think pain is certainly a part of this, and, and, and we cannot escape it. But in heaven there will be no more physical pain, and there will be no more emotional pain. Uh, and, and, and there will... You know, I didn't even look to see if my article was in the Times this week. I wrote an article I sent to Mark, and it kind of dealt with the subject of pain. But uh, if you have been in pain especially if you've been in pain for a significant amount of time, simply to be out of pain feels so good, doesn't it? I mean, just, just to not hurt feels so good. And, and, and you, you, you look at people who walk around and look like they don't know what pain is, and you go, oh, that would be nice. And those people have no clue. They have no clue because they're not in pain. I... I, I I was sitting outside a Safeway for a while, waiting for someone this week, and, and uh, I'm not normally a people watcher, but I was thinking about this issue of pain, and I was watching people, and just watching people, there's a lot of people in pain. Watching the way they walk, watching the way they move, you go, oh, that, that hurts. That person's in pain. That person is suffering. And, 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 and I was amazed. It was like, I, I, more than 50% anyway of the people that I saw showed evidence of pain just in the way they walked. I'm going, wow, there will be no more pain. There will be no more pain. Just the relief that that means. When you, are, when you go around in pain all the time, especially if you get to the point where you don't even think about it anymore, you just take it for granted. And then all of a sudden there is no more pain. There will be relief, and these things that he takes away will not come back in all of eternity. In all of eternity, they will not exist. The former things have passed away. No more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. You want to know another thing that there will be no more of? There will be no more, this is a, like a double negative, no more lack of relationship with God. Because we will have this God who wipes away our tears. That relationship will still be there. Right? I'm glad he's God, because otherwise I go, how could he possibly do that? <laughs> the answer is, he's God. He can do that. Okay? The obvious former things that pass away are death and mourning and crying and pain. And they have no place in heaven, and they will not be there. Uh, that other thing that's less obvious but, but just as real is this distance from God that we have now. Any and all barriers we have today to closeness with God will be removed. They will be gone. And, and this is, it's like, we're going to, I'm amazed the Bible doesn't just stop here. 
It could just stop here. It does and it goes on. And we're gonna, I don't know how many more weeks we're going to be. I thought it was going to be three more weeks and we're done. But this is really, uh, I can't move quickly through this. Uh, there, there's just too much there. Uh, this, is, this is wonderful. This is fantastic. This blessing, this relationship we will have with God. And, and the reality is we can be moving in that direction right now. If we have the confidence, if we trust God enough that his relationship, the relationship we have with him is good, then we can move deeper into it. Because I'll tell you what the hindrance to it now is, is yourself. Not allowing it to happen. I just want to encourage you to let it happen. Let's pray. Father God, I praise you for how good you are. For the blessings we have waiting for us. Lord, things that, that we, we can only guess at things we can only grasp at, uh, but they are true and they are real and every one of them is good. Lord, we praise you for the things that await us. I ask you to open the door to them for us right now. In Jesus' name, amen.